Well, good morning, Emmanuel family, and welcome to Weekend. We're so glad you're here, as we affectionately are calling it Snowmageddon Sunday. So we're glad that you're here. Whether you're at Greenwood or Banta or Franklin, we're glad you're here. And we, I would imagine there's a lot of folks that are worshiping online and sharing with us. So if that is you uh, today, we just want to say thank you for joining us. And uh, we are wrapping up our series called Unshakable. And the question that we've been asking is, is it possible to have a faith foundation that provides an unshakable life because storms will come. The inevitable storms will come. And when they come, is it possible for us to have a foundation that creates an unshakable life? Well, today we're going to wrap it up by saying we can have an unshakable life by knowing the Bible. So I don't know about you, but I have in my life times where there's things that I know that I should do But then there's this gap on what I'm actually doing. Anybody out there with me like that? Like, let me give an example. Every Sunday night at our house is garbage night. That means we collect all the garbage in the the garage and we roll the cans out to me and my son. We roll the cans out to the curb because early the next morning, Monday morning, the garbage men are coming. Okay. And so I remember a few weeks ago, my wife said, hey, Michael, uh, don't forget it's Sunday night. It's garbage night. And I said, I know. Because I know Sunday night is garbage night, okay? But I was watching a game. It was kind of cold outside. I was enjoying it. And so I said, I know. Well, you know where the story's going, don't you? At 5.45 the next morning, I hear the garbage truck at our neighbor's house going, clang, 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 you know. I jump up, throw on some sweats, run out to the garage, push the garage door, wait for it to slowly go up, you know. I run out with the garbage can just in time to see the garbage truck turn the corner and drive away. And I was like, oh, I knew we were going to have a stinky garage and kind of an upset wife for a, a little bit of time. But I had a gap between what I knew and what I did. It's called the knowing versus doing gap. I was having lunch with one of my friends at one of our favorite restaurants a couple weeks ago, and he was sitting there bemoaning the fact that he wasn't able to stay in shape and lose weight, and he was eating a bacon double cheeseburger. And I said to him, I said, Craig, do you not see the irony? He goes, I know. It's just a good burger, you know? He knew what he wanted to do, but what he did, there was a gap in between there. It's kind of like the mom that complains about their 30-year-old child still living in the basement going, I don't know if he'll ever go out. And you want to say to them, uh, they'll never move out. You you give them a free place to live. You do their laundry. You cook all their meals. You you take care. Why would they? They're too smart to move out, you know? She's like, I know what he needs to do, but I just can't, you know, help him leave the nest. And I think a lot of times, we have a gap in what we know and what we do. And so today we're going to be talking about how we can close that gap by knowing the Bible. Now here's what I want you to know that I believe about the Bible. I believe that the Bible is God's word that he has given to us. Every single thing that we need to know about God is right here. Everything that we need to be able to get through all the storms and the trials of this life are contained in this book right here. Every single thing that we need to know about how to go to heaven, how to spend eternity with God, is contained right here. Now, I would imagine if you braved 10 inches of snow and got up this morning and got here, you at least are on a similar page where you say, yes, Michael, I believe that the Bible is God's word. We know it, don't we? But I would also imagine you're like me a lot of times. What you know... And what you do 
are two different things, right? There's a gap between that. And so today we want to talk about how we can have an unshakable life by knowing the scripture. And we're going to talk about how that's going to work. And the way that we're going to do that is that we are going to kind of go with this. This is our phrase that we're going to kind of go with today. Are you ready for this? Knowing the Bible creates an unshakable life because it builds an unshakable foundation. Let me say that again. Knowing the Bible creates an unshakable life because it builds an unshakable foundation for us. And that's important for us to know. We know that, but what do we actually do? And the way that I want us to do that is I want us to answer three questions about the Bible today. I want us to answer three questions that people commonly asked about the Bible. The first thing is, is, is why? Why do we need to know the Bible? Why is it important that we know the Bible? I mean, if you listen, there's a lot of smart people in this world, and they have a lot of wisdom that they give us, but sometimes that wisdom isn't the best. It sounds really good at the time, but it's not the best. And so here's what I want to do, if you guys will, will indulge me, is, is I want us to kind of set a contrast on what it means to know the Bible, okay? What it means to be able to know that. And knowing the Bible doesn't mean that you know about the Bible, like my dad was in ministry, and when we would take long trips, we didn't have smartphones and stuff, so we would play games. And one of the games my dad liked to play is he would teach us the books of the Bible, okay? Sounds like a fun vacation, right? It was, it was great. And so we would learn the books of the Bible. And so for me, we, we had to learn the books of the Bible. So I've set it a goal to try and say the books of the Bible as fast as I could, okay? And I, could, I got to the point where I could say the books of the Bible in about 20 seconds, okay? You, you guys believe me? You want to see it? Are you ready? Get out your watches, because here we go. We're going to go all the way from Genesis to Revelation in less than 20 seconds. Are you ready? Let me warm up. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Jews, First Exam, First Second Kings, First Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Songs, Psalms, Lamentations, Eagle, Daniel, Isaiah, Joel, Amos, Dad, Jonah, Mike, Nehemiah, Becca, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, First and Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, First and Thessalonians, First and Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, First and Peter, First and Third, John, Jude, and Revelation. Woo! I had to take a breath, so I might have been a little over 20 seconds. But, but let me tell you this, knowing the books of the Bible is not knowing the Bible. So as a parent, I had to feel that pain of that not so much fun on vacation. So you know what I do with my kids when we go to the beach? We play Bible trivia game, all right, on the beach. Not just any Bible trivia games. We use the King James Version, all right? So I mean, I'm just, I just twist it in there. And so we, my kids are learning trivia. Like one of the questions is, who's the shortest man in the Bible? And they go, oh, oh, Zacchaeus. He was a wee little man. I said, oh, okay, that, that's good. But what about uh, the prophet Nehemiah? He was knee high, Maya. Oh, dad, that's pretty good. I said, well, you know, Nicodemus in the New Testament, you know, he was a ruler, so he was only 12 inches tall, right? And one of Job's friends, his name was Bildad. He was a shoe height. That's what he was from. So he's probably about that tall, you know, I said, but the smallest, the shortest person in the Bible, Peter. Do you know that? It was Peter. Because it says that when Jesus went away to pray, he fell asleep on his watch. I'm telling you, that's small right there, okay? Yeah, okay. That concludes the junior high portion of the service, okay? <laughs> but knowing the Bible isn't just knowing trivia. It's not just being able to say the books of the Bible. How do we know the Bible? How do we bring the Bible into our heart? And I think there's a way that we can take a test. Now, I'm not going to ask you to say the books of the Bible or no trivia. I want to do something here. Is what, is what I want to do is I want to play a game called, Is It 
scripture or is it Star Wars, okay? So I'm going to have a, a, a statement come up on the screen, and you're going to have to tell me, is it scripture or is it Star Wars, okay? And I've made it easy for you. They're all out of episode four, A New Hope. For those of you that are new to Star Wars, that's the original one, okay? Trying to make it easy for you, okay? So when it comes up, I want you to say, scripture or Star Wars? Are you ready? Whoa, they're not ready. There is no try. There is no, no, I'm just kidding. Okay. Are you ready? So here's what I'm going to do. Scripture or Star Wars? The first one is, your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. Okay. Is it Scripture or is it Star Wars? It is Star Wars. It's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Okay, good. If you got that one right, give yourself a point. Okay, and read your Bible more. Okay. The next one coming up is, but even so, there is some good in you. Is it Scripture or is it Star Wars? It is scripture, 2 Chronicles 19.3, okay? All right, ready for another one? This next one is, let me look on you with my own eyes, okay? Okay, it's just a hint, all right? Scripture or Star Wars, okay? It is Darth Vader, you're right, okay? Let's go to the next one. It is, they failed to see why they were defeated. Is it scripture? Or is it Star Wars? It is Scripture, Deuteronomy 32, verse 20. Let's do one more, okay? Here we go. Who's the more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him? Is it Scripture or is it Star Wars? It is Obi-Wan Kenobi from Star Wars. Okay, great job, okay? So if you guys kept score at home, you get a free something, okay? It's... You get a free handout that you can take home with you and take notes on, okay? So see, the world gives us some, and even movies and books, they give us some good advice. And they can sound really good, but yet they can at times lead us astray because they're not from God's Word. So why do we need to know the Scripture? Well, I'm going to take the answer straight from the Scriptures. It's a Scripture, a verse out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25. It says, The foolish things of God are wiser than human wisdom. The weakness of God is stronger than human strength. The words of God, his wisdom are better, is better than our smartest sayings, our smartest men, our smartest women, the smartest things we can come up with. God's word is better. So that's why we should be studying and we should be building our foundation on God's word. But the second question is, is what makes the Bible so special? What makes the Bible so special? I mean, you think about it, we have books everywhere, don't we? We have books in our homes. We have books in our offices. If you came in a vehicle today, you probably have an owner's manual in your glove box, okay? That's a book. We have books on our phones, our tablets, our computers. Books are everywhere. There are all kinds of books. Well, what makes the Bible a different book than any other book written? Well, let's take a look in ways that the Bible is unique, but I want to look at it from an external perspective, just from a literature perspective. So the Bible is unique. The first way it's unique is in its continuity. The Bible was written over 1,500 years. From Genesis to Revelation, it was written over 15 centuries. It was written by 40 different authors. Now, these authors weren't all uh, the same kind of people. There, was a shep there were shepherds. 
There was fishermen. There was rulers. There was kings. There was doctors. There was tax collectors. A very diverse group of people wrote the Bible. And they didn't just write it in one language. They wrote it in three, in Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic. Now that is unique because most books are written by one person in a short amount of time in one language. But the Bible was written this way. And the thing about it is, is that the continuity is there is that they agree. I got to be honest with you, after church, when the, my family of five gets in a car and tries to decide where we're going to go to lunch, we can't even decide on where to go to lunch. And we're in the same time, in the same place, and speaking the same language, okay? So for the Bible to be written, we're going to Holy Spirit work through these different people to write the Bible and bring it together. Its continuity is something that is unlike every other book. Well, there's another thing that we can look at on externally is that the circulation, the Bible's the number one selling book of all time. It's the number one book that's been read by all time, okay? And even that, the Bible was the first book taken into outer space. So not only did it go all the way around the world, like we've, we're all over the moon, okay? We've been everywhere. The Bible is the number one selling book. So when you look at just books, it's head and shoulders above any other book. The third thing is, is the translation. It's been translated into 2,642 languages, according to the International Bible Society that I looked up last week, okay? That's a lot of languages. It was written in Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic, but now they've got 2,642 other languages. That stands out. That's more languages than any other book in history. And the fourth thing is, is that it's reliability. The handwritten manuscripts that we have for the Bible is 24,000. They were written 25 years after the event started to take place in the Bible. The next closest classic piece of literature is Homer's Iliad. All right? And it has somewhere between 600 and 2,000 manuscripts. They don't really have it nailed down because they're still trying to figure out if all of them are reliable or not. So that's way less than 24,000. And the earliest manuscript is from 500 years after it was written. So the Bible is up here, and the next most reliable piece of classic literature that we have is way down here. The Bible is unique. But that's just looking at it as a literary piece. Now let's take a look internally. What does the Bible do for us? How does the Bible help us? Why is the Bible so important? Well, throughout the Bible, it gives us promises. It gives us um, different things that we can know and learn. I want to take a look at one chapter out of the Bible and just see all the different ways from one chapter that it says that the Bible helps us. The chapter is Psalm chapter 119. And we can see the Bible shows its internal value in this. We're just going to look at one chapter, just one chapter, okay? So let's start. In, in verse 11, it says that the Bible keeps us from sinning. Okay, anybody need help with that? Yeah, me neither, okay? In verse 52, it says it provides comfort. When those storms in life comes up, the Bible, the words from the Bible, the truths in the Bible provide comfort. And then it also says it provides hope. You know what I need after I need comfort? I need some hope. I need some hope. And then in verse 93, it says it gives us life. It says you can go on. It gives us life. And then it says it makes us, I like this one, wiser than my enemies. Now, I don't have a lot of enemies, but if I did, I love the fact that the Bible makes me wiser than them, right? Don't you? And then it says it gives us understanding in verse 4. And the last one says it gives us guidance 
for life. I don't know if you're like me, but I need guidance in my life. And when we look at the Bible, it gives us these promises out of just one chapter of the Bible. It's so, so important. As we are trying to build an unshakable life, as we are trying to build on a foundation, when, when life goes wrong, how do we stand strong? When I think about the Bible and building a foundation, I think about a scripture that comes out of Luke chapter 6. It's one that talks about the foundation that we live on. And I want to just kind of take a moment to look at this scripture as we are building an unshakable foundation. And this is Jesus talking. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? So even back in Jesus' time, they had the knowing versus doing gap. He's saying, hey, you're calling me Lord, but you're not doing what I'm asking. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. So he's saying, okay, so if you know it and you do it, you're going to be able to see what it's going to be like. They are like a man who builds a house. And he dug down deep and he laid the foundation on rock. And then a flood came and the torrent struck the house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and doesn't put them into practice is like the man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And the moment that the torrent struck the house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Now, let me ask you this question. This scripture, Jesus is is using a metaphor or telling a parable of building a house. But what he's really saying to us is, how are you building your life? Are you building your life on a solid rock foundation of God's truth? Or are you building your life on the shifting sands of what the world says? And that's a question each one of us have to answer for ourselves. How are we building our life? Because here's what will happen. The storms will come and the waves will hit And we will either stand strong or we'll just, well, as it says in Scripture, the destruction will be complete. But let me tell you something. It's too late to know what you're building your foundation on when the waves hit. It's too late to know how strong your faith and trust in Jesus when the storms hit. It's too late when you're standing there just taking what life is giving you. We have to start now building our life on an unshakable foundation of God's truth. So I think the obvious question is, okay, Michael, I know the Bible is something special. I know that it's something I should be putting in my heart. How do I do it? Because I've got the want to. I just don't have the do. I just I can't do it. So how can I do it? Well, I'll tell you when it happened for me. I was standing in a hospital room because we had just lost someone very special um, to our family. I was kind of upset with God. I, I was mad at God because in my mind, he had taken someone before their time. They were too young and it just didn't seem right. And I remember standing there looking out the window of this hospital room, just mad at God. And I was, I was saying things like this in my mind, God, why would you do this? God, don't you care? 
God, you don't know what it's like to lose someone close to you. And something amazing happened. Across the street was this little church, and they had those signs, those church signs where they go out and put the letters on, and they have a little catchy saying like, C-H-C-H, what's missing? You are, you know, those kind of things. You're like, oh, that was, thought about that one all week, did you, huh? And the guy that was putting up there, he put up some letters one at a time, and I, 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 it didn't take long for me to know where he's going. He said, God so loved the world that he gave his son. And I was reminded through the scripture that God did know what it was like to lose a family member. That God did know what it was like to watch a child die. That God did know what it was like to see someone die before it seemed like it was their time. And it was spoken to me through his word. You see, that's the important thing. For me, that was my aha moment when I said, God, you're right. Your word contains everything I need. I'm going to spend my life trying to learn as much as I can about that. And I had that moment, that aha moment, when, when I just said, you know what? God, if this is what I need, then I'm going to dive in and I'm going to learn as much as I can. So how can we know the Bible? How can we know the Bible? I'm going to give you a short acrostic that spells the word aha. The first thing is, the first thing is, is that we have to ask for guidance. If you don't know enough about the Bible, you want to learn more, you ask for help. If you look on the back of your handout, there's a couple of things on there that will help you be able to go to starting point or to be able to growth track where you can begin to learn about God's word. Or maybe you get in a home group where you're with somebody and you're with people and you're studying the Bible and you're opening the Bible and you're seeing what God's truths are for your life. Or maybe there's someone that you know that's further along in their spiritual journey and you just say to them, hey, I want to just be able to learn. Can you help me learn? But ask for guidance. Sometimes that's the hardest part, isn't it? Admitting that we don't know something. So ask for help. The second thing is that we have to hide it in our heart. Psalms chapter 119, 105 says, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. How do we hide God's word in our heart? How do we get it into our mind? Well, that is where we as an individual, we have to dive in and we have to study. I had a buddy one time that read through the Bible and uh, he said he started in the book of Genesis. And he goes, man, Genesis was great, Michael. All these stories about creation, a man's fall and the flood. He goes, Exodus was coming out of Egypt, man. It was awesome. Then I got to Leviticus. He goes, Leviticus is weird, you know? And I'm like, yeah, it is. He goes, I got to Numbers and it was even more weird. He goes, but you know what I did, Michael? I gutted it out and I made it all the way through the Bible. I got to tell you, I don't think God's desire for us what the Bible is, just gut it out. Okay. You know, I don't don't think that's what he wants for us. He wants us to fall in love with this word, to study it. So maybe starting in Genesis and reading all the way through isn't the best thing, but pick a book of the Bible. Ask somebody, but start to study. Get on your phone and download an app. It'll even send you a reminder, okay? Do you know what I did? I put an appointment on my calendar every day at 7 a.m. so that I literally, every morning at a quarter till seven, it would come up and say, appointment with God, and I was to sit down and do my prayer and Bible study time. Okay, And I did that so that if I decided I wasn't going to do it, I had to actually press dismiss God. All right? It worked for me because <laughs> I just couldn't dismiss God. 
right? So I made an appointment with God, all right? And so hide it in your heart. Find a time when you as an individual, when you can study God's word. And then the last one, we have ask, we have hide, and we have adopt it into your life. Begin to close that gap between I know what I'm supposed to do and I'm not actually doing it and just bring it together where you are studying God's word and you are beginning to live it out. Close that knowing versus doing gap. Here's what I want you to know. There's nobody in this church, there's nobody on this stage that gets it right all the time. We all make mistakes. But as a church family, I think it would be awesome if we say we are committing to building an unshakable foundation by knowing God's word. In the 12th century, there was a small town in in the country of Italy that decided there was a church that wanted to build a tower to have bells on it so that they could ring the bells so that people from the countryside could know when church was supposed to be and they could come in to go to church. But the people and the guys that designed it and started to build it, they made a mistake. They did not prepare the foundation well. And it didn't take long after the tower was built for them to realize that something was wrong, that it was leaning just a little bit. The town was Pisa, and we all know it as the leaning tower of Pisa, right? In fact, the tower leans 12 feet off of center, and tourism is unbelievable. There are over a million people that travel there every single year. Now, why do they travel to Pisa to see a tower that is just like a million other towers in the world? Is it because it's the most beautiful tower? No. Is it because it's the tallest tower? No, it's only the third highest building in the city, okay? The reason people flood to Pisa is to see a mistake, to see a spectacle, to see the leaning tower of Pisa. To be honest with you, I have this fear in my life that I will mess up, not a ton, just a few degrees. But it's just enough that people look at me and go, that's, that's not right. There's some inconsistencies here. There's some things that he says, but what he does is a little different. I don't want to be a spectacle. I don't want to be an example of what's gone wrong. I don't want to be an example of a building my life on a poor foundation. You know, this is a different kind of weekend, isn't it? There's snow everywhere. We canceled some service hours. You're sitting in different seats around different people, possibly. And you can go, wow, that was weird. Or maybe you can say, God did something really special that day. It's a day that will be marked in my mind where I made the choice to close the gap between knowing and doing. Where I said, I want to build an unshakable foundation on my life by knowing God's word. But maybe, just maybe, there's some here today that said, I, I need to start building that foundation. I need to accept Jesus into my heart and my life for the first time. And sometimes it takes us getting out of our normal routine. Sometimes it takes us moving past our habits to be able to break that tradition, to break that habit. And we realize that today is a day that's different than any other day. 
And if you are here today at any of our campuses or online and you want to give your heart to Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. So I'm going to pray and I would ask that you would pray along with me and give you an opportunity to begin to build your unshakable foundation on God. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. And I thank you that you love us. God, I want to have an unshakable foundation for my life. But on my own, man, I'm way off. Sometimes people look at my life and it's an example of what not to do. So God, right here, right now, in this moment, I want to say that I am sorry for the mistakes that I've made. God, right here, right now, in this moment, I want to accept the gift of forgiveness that your son Jesus gave to us. So God, right now, I want to accept you as my Lord and Savior. Become a part of your family. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, let's celebrate those people who made that decision. Let's give them a big hand. And if if you made that decision, we want you to take the next step. If you're at one of our campuses, we want to ask you to go back to our starting point counters and talk to some people. There are some people there that would love nothing more than to pray for you, to listen to your story, and help you begin the journey. We want to give you a gift of the New Believers Bible, which will help you fall in love with God, which will help you begin to build that unshakable foundation on His Word. And don't miss the opportunity to do that. We're going to sing a song. It's a brand new song. It's called Your Word. And even though the words are new, we're going to put them on the screens. We want to ask you to sing along as we begin to build an unshakable foundation on God's Word.